Welcome to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast, where we take the Word of God and preach a timely message from the pulpit of Victory Baptist Church of Fallon, Nevada. We're going to get into our series, continuing our series. We're looking at seven uh, commands that draw us closer to God. Come closer, seven commands to draw us closer to God as we look at the commands of Christ. And um, today uh, is probably not going to be a surprise to you, but we're going to again focus on the gospel message of Christ this week. Though I believe that the gospel truth in today's message is continued throughout our lives as Christians, uh, we're going to be looking at come closer, come as a child. Uh, Now, here's the thing. A lot of times people say, you know, uh, the day I got saved, that was it. No, you, you are continually being refined by God after salvation. We will not see our full salvation until we get to heaven, right? We understand that we've been saved from our sins. We've been forgiven of our sins. Uh, we've been given eternal life, but we still have this sinful body, right? Do you struggle with the flesh? I know I struggle with the flesh each and every day. Do I wish that I wouldn't struggle with the flesh? Absolutely. Uh, we were talking a little bit about that in Sunday school with the teens this morning. I said, if, if we truly know that God wants what's best for us, then why do we still struggle to give ourselves over to him? Because we've not realized our full salvation, and we'll realize that at the moment either that the church is raptured out or the day that we pass away and we enter heaven's glory, we'll understand our full salvation. But this is a continual process, as we've been seeing, that after salvation comes discipleship, and you should continually be growing in the Lord Jesus Christ. The main focus today is still the gospel, but understand, as the children of God, we've still got to continue to have childlike faith and trusting what God has for our lives. Um, The passage that we're looking at today is uh, somewhat humorous uh, because the disciples are kind of acting like children. And then Jesus uses children to make a point to them. Have you ever met adults who sometimes act just like children? How many of you would admit that sometimes you still act like children? All the men should have their hands up. At least all the men should, right? Okay. Uh, Yeah. But yeah, we still struggle. We still act like children. So it shouldn't, it shouldn't surprise us when we get to the disciples and we see them acting like children. Uh, I want to give a little history before we get into uh, uh, chapter 18 of Matthew. Just uh, Chapter 17 is really setting up what we're going to be looking at in chapter 18. We're not going to go and read the whole chapter, but I'm going to kind of give you a picture of what's going on. Um, Jesus uh, has taught his followers and has told them to go out and to uh, heal people and to cast out demons and, and things like that. And the disciples have gone out and they've gone to do what they're supposed to do. And they come to a person uh, whose son is demon possessed. And they're sitting there trying to cast this demon out of the child, but they can't do it. And the father gets so distraught, why can't your followers cast this demon out? And Jesus makes the, the, the uh, point, and he says, uh, ones like these only come out by fasting and prayer. And so then Jesus cast out the demon that the disciples could not cast out because they didn't have enough faith to do so. So Jesus comes to them, and he tells them the famous saying, if you would have had faith 
like the grain of a mustard seed, you'd be able to tell the mountain to move and it would move. The disciples, while they were following Jesus, failed to really have faith in what Jesus had sent them to do. Do we ever struggle with that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. We know that God wants what's best for our lives. We know it because the Bible tells us. Do we believe it? I believe that most of us believe it. But do we always have the faith to really believe it? The answer is no. Because if we did, do you think we'd struggle with the sins that we struggle with? Do you think we'd get mad when, when, when people might say something behind our back about us that doesn't really matter? Do you, do you think we'd get upset at other people in the church and have disunity? No. Because why? We would be fully following what God has for us. But none of us can even say that we have faith as a grain of a mustard seed. Now, understand, uh, this is even smaller faith than most of us think. You know, mustard seed's really small. But you break up into the mustard seed, and guess what? There's even smaller pieces. It's the grain of the seed of mustard that he's talking about. The tiniest, tiniest, tiniest faith is all that he wanted from his disciples. It's all that he wants from us as well. If we didn't struggle with our faith so much, how much better would we try to live our lives for Jesus Christ? Well, we wouldn't really have to try, because then we would be following the filling of the Holy Spirit that God has given us at the point of salvation, saying, Holy Spirit, lead me in every part of my life, and I'll trust you, and I'll go no matter what. But we struggle with that, don't we? Because we have flesh. The disciples were no different than us. And so this is one of the first things that happens. So uh, he's preparing them to, uh, for the test of the faith that they're about to endure. As a short time after Jesus tells them uh, this, he tells them that, He's going to be betrayed and killed. The funny thing is the disciples must not have really believed that he was going to be betrayed and killed. Which is, which is funny to me because when we look at that, did Jesus ever fail to fulfill anything that he said he was going to do? So if he said, I'm going to be betrayed and killed, guess what's going to happen? He's going to be betrayed and he's going to be killed. Guess what else I know? When Jesus makes a promise to us, I will never leave you or forsake you. Guess what he means? He's never going to leave us or forsake us. So we're just like the disciples. We struggle with faith when God tells us to do something, to go ahead and do it. We struggle with believing what God's word says when it comes to his promises. And, and so Jesus is setting them up for a test of their faith. And, and, uh, and then right before the events of chapter 18, Jesus tells the disciples that, they're to pay tribute to, uh, or taxes to Caesar. And, and they didn't have money to do it. Uh, if, if you ever watch the, uh, the show The Chosen, you got Peter who is constantly trying to find ways to pay his taxes. Uh, some of us are probably that way too. You're right. Oh man, I got to come up with this much money to pay my taxes. I didn't have enough taken out. But anyways, they're told, hey, pay tribute to Caesar. Jesus says pay tribute to whom tribute is due. And it was due to Caesar. It was time for them to have a reckoning of their money to pay the taxes that Caesar was to be getting. But guess what the disciples didn't have? Money. So you know what he does? He says, hey, listen, Peter, I know you're a fisherman. I want you to go down, and I want you to cast your net, and I, and I want you to capture the fish, and the very first fish that you capture, there's going to be enough money in the mouth of that fish 
to take care of your tribute. So you know what Peter does? He goes down. He believes Jesus' word. He goes down, casts the net in, draws the fish out. Guess what's in the mouth of the fish? Money. There's a coin inside there. They can pay their tribute. He had enough faith to believe that. And you would think, okay, in chapter 17, all these different things are going on. He cast a demon out, and the disciples should believe that Jesus really is powerful, and they can have uh, the power, too, because God promised them that they would. And you would think they would have the faith in that. And then Jesus says, I'm going to die. I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to be killed. I'm going to be murdered. Well, you would think they would trust him. Then he sends Peter. Peter actually trusts him by faith. And he goes down. And guess what happens? Exactly what Jesus said was going to happen. So this is all leading into the passage that we're going to look at this morning in chapter 18. Let's go ahead and pray. And then we'll get started into this. God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for all that you've done for us. God, I pray that you would take this message today and that each one of us would examine our hearts. First of all, those who may not know Christ as their Savior, that they would turn to you in childlike faith and believe what your word says about the way of salvation. But Lord, for us who are your children, that you would renew that childlike faith that we had when we received you as our Savior and that we would trust you just like a child would trust his own father, trust his own parents. And God, we would thank you and praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. So really, all of Matthew chapter 17 is a lesson in faith. When we come to chapter 18, it immediately lets us see the pettiness of the disciples. But before we're too hard on the disciples, we're pretty petty too. They immediately asked Jesus, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? I mean, don't you think they would have asked Jesus more about how can I have a larger faith? You just, you just got after us for saying, oh, you little faith. Hey, if you would have had faith the size of a mustard seed, don't you think that they would have come and said, well, Jesus, how do I get that faith the size of the grain of a mustard seed? I saw you do something amazing. I saw, I saw you do something just out of this world that nobody can explain. No, they come to him and say, who's going to be greatest in the kingdom of heaven? You would think that they would ask, what do you mean you're going to be betrayed? And you're going to be killed? Why is this? Why are you allowing that to, to happen? Or, or why didn't they ask how Jesus cast the demon out? Or what about Peter coming back with a fish with a mouthful of muddy? Don't you think they would have been like, how on earth did that happen? Look at this. You sent Peter out. He went by himself. He brought this, brought this fish. And now our taxes are paid because you gave him a fish with a mouthful of muddy. What a catch. Tell us more about this. But is that what they do? Nope. Not at all. They immediately start to think selfishly. Who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Do we not do the same thing? God shows us a miracle. God does something great in our life. He provides in some kind of great way. And then what, what do we do? Well, I wonder how I'm going to do this. I wonder how this is going to be taken care of. I wonder, I, 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 you know, 
Oh, yeah, I, I have my health back, but you know, now my car's not running. Now this isn't working. Now this isn't working. And you see God answer things, but then we go right back to the very petty things. And instead of saying, hey, God, you know what? Just like you provided for me when I was without a job, my car's not working right now. Hey, could you help me here? I know that you can do it because you've taken care of me. But we tend to do the same thing the disciples do. We complain. We, we tend to get off track. Well, that's great what you did for me back here, but what about this, Jesus? Hey, you know what? This person said this about me. Hey, don't you think I'm good enough, Jesus, that I deserve more? We, we do these type of things, do we not? This, this is what I love about the Bible, because it's very practical. It's, it, it comes right to where we are, and it knows exactly who we are. Even if we're looking at other people in the Bible, everything that we look at in the Word of God ends up applying to us. Why? Because people are people, and people have not changed. And so when we look at these disciples, we think, what on earth? Why are they so petty? Who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Well, Jesus then answers them. In Matthew chapter 18, verses 1 through 3, at the same time came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child unto him, and set him in the midst of them, it said, Verily I say unto you, except you be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. You know what Jesus is saying to them? You guys aren't ready for the kingdom of heaven. None of you are going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven because you don't even know me as your Savior yet. You have to be converted as a little child who trusts me with childlike faith before you can even enter the kingdom of heaven. He was uh, knocking them down the totem pole a little bit. They thought they were all great because they were following Jesus. But he said, look, unless you become like a child, you can't even enter the kingdom of heaven. And it's still true today. Every person who comes to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior has to have the childlike faith to believe that God says, it's true. It's true. What do you mean? Look, as we get older, do we not get more callous towards the things of this world? Do we not get to the place where we think that we know better than even God himself sometimes? As we get older, we become callous. Our childlike faith is no longer there. If, some, if, if Trevor came up here and said, hey, Pastor Aaron, I want you to jump, and I'm going to catch you. And, and, and so when I say the word jump, jump, and I'll catch you. Yeah, right. Trevor's not going to catch me. I'm going to knock him over. <laughs> but if I brought Alton or Ariel up here, and I said, hey, listen, you trust Daddy? Yeah, I trust Daddy. I won't even do it with my older kids because I don't think they would trust me to catch them. <laughs> you trust Daddy? Yeah, I trust Daddy. I guarantee you if Ariel was up here, I'd say, Ariel, this is what I want you to do. I want you to show that you trust me, and I want you to jump into my arms. You know what she would do? Jump. She would do it gladly. You know how I know that? Because sometimes I'm walking through the house, and she's like, wow! <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, but this is exactly childlike faith. Right? But so many of us, if we, didn't know, if we didn't come to know Christ as our Savior when we were young, we came to know Him later on in life, how much harder was it for you to trust 
what Jesus said about himself than it was for a little child. It is. It's hard. And Jesus is saying to these hardened fishermen that have been around the Sea of Galilee, had gotten used to all these different things, the tax collector had been used to being yelled at and screamed at, and nobody cared about him. And he's saying, unless you come to me with childlike faith, you know how hard it must have been for them to come with him in childlike faith? E- even though Peter and James and John and Andrew when Jesus came along and said, hey, follow me, they got up right from their fishing place and went and followed him. They still weren't converted. And Jesus, he never made a, a, a rosy picture of following him was going to be easy. But by this time, I'm sure that there was plenty of times that they had to sleep in the middle of the desert with no shelter over their heads, no comfort, wondering where food's going to come from. How do we know that? Because what happened with Peter? Hey, we got to pay our tribute. We don't have any money. What are we going to do? You would think that they would have already understood that this Savior that they were following, this teacher that they were following, was different than any other teacher there had ever been. But they were so calloused by the things of the world, by the things that they had gone through in their life, they still didn't understand that Jesus wasn't there to save them from Rome. He was there to save them from their sins and to give them a home in the kingdom of heaven and and to build the kingdom of heaven on earth and to show them that they needed him to be their savior. What a picture. The disciples worrying about who's the greatest when they didn't even have enough faith to do the job that God and Jesus had called them to. Jesus calls over to the children and he tells them, listen, you won't even see heaven if you don't have the faith of a child. You would think that the followers of Christ would take this to heart and understand that the kingdom that Jesus was talking about wasn't an earthly kingdom, but a heavenly kingdom. And the only way to enter it was to have the faith in Jesus that he was the Son of God. But you know what? Well, you see that the disciples have a whole lot more to learn. In Mark chapter 10, Jesus is teaching in the area of Judea. And at the end of his teaching, the crowd brings children to him in order to be healed. The people of the village had faith that Jesus could heal the children. But once again, the disciples show that they don't understand the purpose of Jesus' ministry. In Mark 10, 13 through 15, And they brought young children to him, that he should touch them. And his disciples rebuked those that brought them. They still don't understand this childlike faith. They still didn't understand how much Jesus loved these children, how much he loved them. But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased and said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. So Jesus already told them once, you got to have childlike faith. Apparently they still didn't have it. Because then when the children are coming, what does he do? Oh, get away. Jesus is too busy healing other people. We don't want the children. They're noisy. They cry. They run around. They're unruly sometimes. They don't listen. We tell them to sit with adults, and they don't sit with adults. Oh, wait, that sounds like children that come to our church. 
But what did Jesus say? He rebuked them. Man, thank God for the children that we have in our church. I know sometimes children, my children included, can be rowdy, rambunctious, loud. Suffer the little children to come unto him. We should be thankful that we have a church full of children. Because if there's no noise of children throughout the church, then it means the church is dying. And Jesus said, suffer those children to come unto me. And unless you enter, unless you believe like a child, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. This is true for us today. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, throw away all the callousness that you've had and jump into Jesus' arms. Because He desires to have a relationship with you, to save you from your sins, and to give you a home in heaven. In Luke chapter 18, you find the same account as above. And it seems that after these two events, the disciples start to finally understand what the command of Jesus was. Come like children they start to understand what he meant because guess what after these two accounts you never see him having to rebuke the disciples again for the children you never see him having to say to the disciples come unto me as children they finally understood but you know i believe that this childlike faith teaches uh teaching is not only necessary for salvation but it's also needed as we continue to grow in Christ after salvation. So for those who don't know Christ, the invitation has come with childlike faith. Jump into my arms. And for those of us that do know Christ as our lives, you know what it is? Here, come sit with the Father. Come sit with me. Be nurtured. Grow. Flourish in your life with me. It's a beautiful picture. I love to sit down with my kids sometimes and just hear what's going on in life. Now, there are other times where I'm like, will this child just be quiet? God's never like that, thank goodness. He wants to hear everything we have to say. He wants to know everything that's on our heart, everything that's on our mind. And he wants to sit with us like a father sits with a son. Remembering the things of the past, all the goodness that God's done, and seeing the dreams of our future that we have, and us saying, God, would you allow this to happen? God, if it's your will, would you allow us to be able to do this? I love to sit down with the Father. I love to talk to Him about our church. Love to talk to Him about our family. Love to talk to Him about my own life, my struggles, my hurts. My praises, the miracle of life from my children, the blessing of Ashley, the blessing of all my children, really. And you know what? I think the Father enjoys that. The first thing that we need to see, why a child? Why did Jesus say come as a child? Because number one, children are eager learners. Children are eager learners. Proverbs 20, 11 says, Even a child is known by his doing, whether his work be pure or whether it be right. There is just something about children, and you can see the eagerness to learn in their eyes. So for 
uh, eight years that we lived in Georgia, I substitute. Ta- t- uh, I, I was a substitute teacher pretty regularly. There were really only two groups of people that I really liked to go sub for. I, I, I subbed all over the place, but believe it or not, the two that I enjoyed subbing for the most was kindergarten and the special needs class because they were eager to learn. I loved getting into the kindergarten class and, and having to substitute for a teacher because I never had to worry about the, the, the substitute notes because those kids knew exactly what they were supposed to do. We sing the Days of the Week song first. Days of the Week. Days of the Week. All right, yes. So they would sing that. All right, now we got to count our numbers. Oh, we got to put the date up. Hey, we got to see if it's sunny outside or if it's cloudy outside. They loved to learn. They were eager to learn. Now, did, did they get whiny sometimes? Absolutely, they got whiny sometimes. But they loved to learn. Children are eager to learn. The special needs class was amazing because their, their minds were childlike. They, even though it was in the high school, this was a high school. 10th, 11th, 12th graders in the special needs class. But you know what? They were eager to learn. They loved it. You know, as the children of God, the reason why he says that we ought to come with him in childlike faith is because we ought to be eager to learn. We ought to be eager to learn more about God and his love for us and his care for us. One thing about spending time with children, you see that they're always watching others and learning from others, especially younger children, learning from older children. They always have open eyes and open ears, ready to watch and to hear new things. And Jesus compares the faith needed for salvation as a childlike faith because one must be like a child to open their eyes to the experience, the newness of the spiritual kingdom that has always been around, but their eyes have been blinded to it. Romans 6, 8, 6 says, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life. And peace. Again, as we get older and our age, we lose that idea of childlike faith. We become blinded by the things of this world. And the only way that we will see the way of salvation if you don't know Christ is to say, God, remove the blindness from my eyes, the darkness from my eyes, and I want to see you new. And I want to see you as my Savior. This is a character that should continue to follow us even after salvation. We should continually have an eagerness to learn from God. Just as we had an eagerness to know his love that led us to salvation. I I think of uh, Mary and Martha. Right? There's a passage of Scripture where Mary and Martha, they're preparing for Jesus to come. Martha is busy. Busy, 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 all the time. I got to get the house clean. I need to get the broom out. I got to sweep this up. I got to wash the dishes. I got to get the clothes hung up. I got to get the clothes put in the drawers. I got to do all these things. The house has got to be perfect. Jesus is coming. It's got to be clean. Everything has to be perfect. The meal's got to be perfect. Oh, I messed up on the bread. I got to make new bread. She's busying herself all along, and Jesus has come. And Mary's sitting at the feet of Jesus learning. 
And I could just see Martha now coming, stomping in. What is my sister doing sitting at your feet, Jesus? Don't you know we've got to get the house ready for you? I know you're here already, but it's got to be perfect because you're here and I want you to see our house is perfect. But Mary's just being lazy. She's just sitting there listening to you. We do the same thing. We get so busy about life. I, I, I don't have time to read today. I've got to go do this. Sometimes even in the church house. We get so busy doing all the ministries of church. that we never take time to say, hey, Jesus, today I just need to. Sit down. I need to learn from you. And I need to listen. And I need to slow down. You know, we live in a fast paced society. But I think really as Christians, we've got to learn to slow down. I think one of the reasons why our spiritual capacity in America is so low. So we've gotten so caught up with the busyness of the world that we forgot that sometimes we have to sit at the feet of Jesus. But Pastor Aaron, that doesn't work in the real world. And my work won't let me sit down and take a break. You have a lunch break? Hey, go, go sit in your car, listen to some music, meditate, pray. Hey, on your way to work, have a conversation with God. On your way home from work, have a conversation with God. Take time and say, God, I just want to learn from you today. When you open your Bible, don't just read your Bible to try to get through a chapter of the Bible. Something I've had to learn to do. I used to be the kind of person who was like, I've got to read through my Bible in a year, otherwise I don't love Jesus. You know what I find now? Before I start reading, I'll say, Jesus, I just need to sit at your feet today and learn from you. And I know your Holy Spirit will guide and direct me exactly what I need today. And when I get to the place that I need for this day, help me just stop and meditate on it. And you guys, uh, if you've been around church long since I've been here, you know that there's sometimes I meditate for days and weeks on a single passage of Scripture. Why? Because we've got to stop. We've got to be like children who are eager to learn and to sit at the feet of Jesus and say, Jesus, teach me what I need to know for life. Teach me what I need to know for my relationship with you. Teach me what I need to know for my relationship with others. For weeks I chewed on the verse that said that there is simplicity in Christ. You know why? Because I didn't think it was real. I didn't really think that there was simplicity in Christ. I thought there was a whole lot more complications. But you know what I've been even learning as we've been going through the commands of Christ? He makes it simple. Notice he didn't say, hey, listen... You need to come like children and you need to do all these works and you need to do all this extra stuff and you need to show your love towards me and then you can enter the kingdom of heaven. 
He said, come to me with childlike faith and you can enter into heaven. Not only do we see that children have an eagerness to learn, number two, children accept things by faith. This is the character of children. There's something amazing about children. They have a pure faith in just about anything that you tell them, especially young children. This is why it's so important to be careful what we tell children. This is one of the reasons it's important that we be careful when some, what someone tells children or what beliefs people share with children. And this is why it's so important as a church, as we are teaching our children, we're going to the source of the word of God and not our opinion. Why? Because our opinions can shape the minds of children and it can shape them away from the word of God. Rather to the word of God. Because they believe by faith. Why is it that we want to make sure that we teach a six-day creation? Because that's what the Bible says. When, my, uh, when Eric and Alex were, were young, and even Ariel and Alton, and we would take them to school, we would say, well, who, who, created, who created all of everything? Well, God did. Well, how long did it take him? Six days. Did he create everything in that six days? Yes, he did. So what happens when the teacher says that it's, Thousands or millions of years. Is that true? No. How do we know that? Because the Bible says so. And we would do that exercise almost every day to and from school. Hey, did you guys hear about millions of years today? Yes. Well, what did you do? I knew it was a lie. How did you know that? Because the Bible says so. It's not brainwashing. It's saying, hey, look, we believe what this word says. I'm going to teach you the word. They have faith in that. And you know, I, I remember one time Alex came and he got a bad grade. But it wasn't because all of his answers were necessarily wrong. But he refused to put millions of years. And he got questions wrong. He didn't get them wrong, though. He got them absolutely right. And I explained to the teachers, I said, look, we believe in a six-day a six literal creation, not millions of years, because we believe what the Bible says. And my children are going to answer honestly, because they trust this by faith. This is the very type of faith that Jesus says one needs to have in order to enter the kingdom of heaven. It goes hand in hand with the two things we've looked at over the past few weeks. The faith to repent and believe and the faith to follow the narrow way, both take childlike faith. When you look at Hebrews chapter 11, the author puts it this way, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is saying, God, even though I cannot see that you died on the cross for me, because that happened 2,000 years ago, I believe by faith what this word says. I repent of my sins. I believe in Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. And I desire for you to be my Lord and for you to save me. That's the evidence of things hoped for, or the, the, the um, substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Why? Because we couldn't see it. But we certainly have a hope in it, don't we? 
I have a hope and a knowledge that I know where I'm going. Why? Because Jesus is my Savior. It saddens me. I, I watch social media sometimes and see friends that I went to school with. One of them recently just came out as a devout agnostic. You can't prove God and you can't prove evolution, so the best place to go is just to believe nothing. How sad. Somebody who heard all about the faith of Jesus or, or in Jesus, who claimed to know him, but today has no faith whatsoever except in nothing. This type of faith is what the names in the rest of the chapter of Hebrews chapter 11 had. A faith to believe even though they could not see the evidence that following God was going to result in his blessing in their lives. They put away their skepticisms, their doubts, and their disbeliefs and simply trusted God, placing their faith in his promises to them. This is the type of faith that brought us to salvation. And this is the type of faith that we should continue to have after salvation. It's a faith that causes us to believe that the promise of eternal life and the type of faith that we should continue to have and the many other promises that God has given in his word. But I'm afraid a lot of times, even those who know Christ, because again of our busyness, we start to lose faith. We start to lose that faith that we had at salvation. Because we get to looking at everything else around us. Remember Peter? Going to walk on the water. Now first of all, people sit there and say, well he sank. Did any of the other disciples get out on the water? Peter had great faith. But you know what he also had as he was sinking? He had faith that Jesus would rescue him. And sometimes in our life, because our faith gets weak and we get distracted by the winds and the waves and everything around us and we start to sink, call out to him in faith. Because Jesus is right there ready to catch you. Ready to renew that faith that you need in your lives. Number three, children give the benefit of the doubt. Don't they? How many times did your children fall off a bike? And yet they still got on the bike and rode again. Children are willing to believe even when things don't always make sense. It is why a child will take a leap of faith at the word of someone they trust. I read a story about a father and a son who were trying to outrun a brush fire on the prairies. The only escape the father could find was to jump down a 10-foot bluff. As the smoke began to engulf the area, the father jumped down first, and then he called up to his son, Jump down, son! The son replied, I can't see you. The father called back up to the son, That's okay, son. I can see you. Jump. And the child jumped into the strong arms of his father, waiting below, despite his own reservations. Is that not also a picture of our Heavenly Father? When we can't see Him, He sees us. When we're saying, God, I just don't understand. I can't see you. I'm scared. 
These things are overtaking me. I know you, but I don't know where you are. He says, it's okay. I see you and I know where you are. Jump and trust me. I think all of us go through those times. And isn't it so wonderful when we finally jump and we can feel the Father's arms around us saying, it's okay, son. It's okay, daughter. I have you. I know Renee and I were going through a time where, man, I just couldn't see God. I was hurt by some things in the ministry. Got to the place where I really wasn't going to continue ministry. I was walking around the church parking lot there in Georgia, and I was telling God, God, if this is what ministry's like, I want nothing to do with it. I'm tired of it. I'm hurt. I'm broken. I invest my life into people, and they turn around and stab me in the back. And it hurts. And the very people I love who should be there to support me and care for me right now feel like they've abandoned me. And God, I can't see you and I can't see what you're trying to do. I don't want to abandon you, but I want nothing to do with this any longer. It hurt. And then I went back to the house and I told Renee some of the things I was struggling with. We sat down and wrote a song called We'll Make It Through This Night. Next Sunday was Easter. You know what I found? Jumped into the arms of the Father. He said, I have you doing this for a reason. And you can trust me. And I promise you, if you'll follow me, you'll be blessed beyond your imagination. And I have to say, a few years after that, we came here. And you know what? I've been blessed beyond my imagination. Does it mean that there won't be other times I struggle with that? No, I probably will. Just to be real. Just like you struggle. God, is my faith even worth it? Can't even see you right now. But you know what? We ought to give God the benefit of the doubt. Just like children, you people benefit of the doubt. When we came to salvation, we chose to believe the voice of God. When he said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved, we chose to jump into his saving arms. Since salvation, you likely have experienced time and time again those same comforting, strong arms of God, ready to embrace and protect you. You can always trust the voice of God, even when you have reservations. Jeremiah 33, 3. Call unto me, and I will show thee great and mighty things, which thou knowest not. And then number four, love is not complicated to a child. When children, with children, love's not complicated. When a child hears the words, I love you, they believe it. There's no doubt. There isn't even a question. And this is even in awful homes. Where maybe they've been beaten and abused. They still believe that those people love them. Because it's not complicated to a child. If you say you love me, then I believe that you love me. God's love is simple. It's what believing, 
that simple love is what brought us to salvation. The love of John 3.16, for God so loved the world. We believe that. Why? Because God is love. And he said he loved us. You had to come like a child and say, I believe what God said when he said he loved me. And then I have to follow what he told me to do. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It's a childlike faith. But just as when children grow older, if the actions don't follow the words of love, the growing child begins to view love in a different light. God's love never becomes complicated. As believers, we begin to listen to the outside voices and influences, and it begins to uh, complicate our view of God's love. But His love never changes. His actions always prove His love. And we must continue to trust Him in the childlike faith of His love. God is not a simple God, but He asks us to come simply to Him, to trust Him, to believe Him, to love Him, to let Him guide us, just as a loving Father guides His children. Jesus commands us to come to God in childlike faith, to know that there's never a time where, when God doesn't want what's best for you. Neither is there ever a time when his love is withheld from you. He wants you to trust him with the simple faith of a child. And let me just give you some parenting one-on-one, 101. <laughs> never, never withhold your love to punish your child. Because God has never withheld his love for us even when he's had to chasten us. There's many parents today that says, well, I'm, I, I'm not going to give them a hug. I'm not going to show any affection to them. I'm mad because they're in trouble. I'm not going to pay attention to them. I'm going to ignore them. I'm not going to talk to them. That's my punishment towards them. But God's not that way towards us. Why? Because his love is simple. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, will you come to Him in childlike faith today? If you do know Christ, have you been struggling to trust Him with the same faith that brought you to salvation? Come to Him once again as a child and throw yourself into His arms. Today, if you don't know Him as Savior, say, God, I want you, and He'll catch you. If you've been struggling to trust that, cast yourself again into God's arms because he's ready to catch you. Child-like faith. Come closer. Child-like.